0: going to be studying Luke 7 from verse 36 through 50. We're going to pretty much uh, get through this chapter tonight and uh, pretty much finish it up from this last part from verse 36. And the title of our message tonight is uh, Forgiven Much. Forgiven Much. And you know, I think about how uh, we have been forgiven and how we, we are not under that condemnation you know, no longer like we were before, but sometimes we still carry that. And, and sometimes we even take that. And I don't know about you, sometimes we can, we can even like divert that, that, that kind of feeling we have and divert it onto someone else and even blame someone else and not even take responsibility for our own wrongs and sin. And, and sometimes we, 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 we want forgiveness from someone else when we should be thinking about our own sin. And how much we need to forgive, forgiveness and how much we, we are forgiven too. So, uh, um, I was thinking about that, um, the, in this way, this cakey church teacher just finished her lesson and to make sure everyone understood her point, she asked the class this. She asked the class, can anyone tell me what you must do before you can receive forgiveness? Well, out of the silence, one little boy shouted out, I know sin. And that's so true, right? We we got to do wrong. We got to sin in order to be forgiven. But in a way, the boy was right in this way in that the realization of the depths of our own sin really bring us to that place of understanding our need for forgiveness. And it really, really starts there. But there, when you really realize your own wrongs, you find God meeting you with that deepest need. And that is really Forgiveness. And so tonight, as we continue in our study in the book of Luke, one woman, really, she had found this very thing that she had found in Jesus, that she had been forgiven much. And that's what the title of our message again is, Forgiven Much. Now, we're going to see three parts to our story here tonight. And number one is the invited guest. Number two, the unmerciful. I'm sorry, the uninvited guest. Number two, the unmerciful Pharisee. Number three, the unquestionable word. So three things here, as we usually have. And number one in our outline is the uninvited guest. The uninvited guest. So here we're going to cover verses 36 through 38 tonight. And so if you're taking notes, you can jot that down for this section. But let's read those three first three verses for our evening right now. Verse 36 says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And then verse uh, uh, 38 And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head, kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So we'll stop there in this first section. Now, we begin here in verse 36, where one of the Pharisees asked him to really come eat at his house and so Jesus went to the Pharisees' house and reclined there. Now, remember the Pharisees are one of the religious leader groups there. They're basically Sadducees. They were like the priests, the guys in control right now of this whole uh leadership, spiritual leadership in uh Israel at that time under Rome, but they they're allowed to kind of rule in their religious way. And the Pharisees was another one, another group one of uh, that they were, they were like the legalists of the time. They were all into the traditions and the laws and, and they're proud about, you know, keeping them and all. So here's, here's one of the Pharisees asking Jesus to come and eat dinner with them. And now, now, it, it, and it's a uh, custom that these Pharisees would invite the traveling rabbi to come and have dinner, so this was kind of the custom. So it was good for this Pharisee invited Jesus to have to his house to have dinner. Now we're going to see in verse forty that this Pharisee's particular name was Simon. His, his name was Simon, so he's at Simon the Pharisee's house. And notice here at the end of verse thirty-six, it says he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, what does that mean? Well, it wasn't like he had the lazy boy. You know, chair and was like reclining back, you know, lazy boy chair. But back then, you remember in, in, in the in the ancient times in the Middle East, when they would eat dinner, the tables were really low, kind of like Japanese tables in the old time, and you would actually uh, sort of like lean on your your left arm and you take your right arm and you take the food, dip it in the sauces, and you eat. So he's actually kind of laying down, the reclining. I mean, you could sit there, but. That was the idea. You can kind of eat like this, kind of resting. Your your legs would kind of be pointing behind you and everyone would kind of be around the table in that way. So that's, that's the idea. He was reclined at the table at Simon the Pharisee's house. And then while they're having dinner, verse 37 tells us this woman of the city who was a sinner. So this woman comes in. And she, everyone knows her. She was known to be this wrong doer, basically. She has a bad reputation, basically. And so, most likely, this woman was this prostitute, like a local prostitute that everybody knew about. So she's, she's there, she comes in, and, and, and there's Jesus, she knew Jesus was there reclining or having dinner at the Pharisee's house, and she brought this alabaster flask, and what it is, it's like this, this flask, alabaster is, is a special marble from uh, 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 Alabastron, al- 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 Egypt, it was just special marble from there, and they'd make a flask, and inside they would put in like this perfume, and and it was a special thing. It, it was very costly uh people would would buy it and keep it to like give to their kids it's just something super valuable like an investment or something like that and so so this was a very special jar a lot of women like to have this this was a special thing well she br- break she brings this in to this dinner with jesus there And verse 38 tells us that standing behind him at his feet so you remember he's reclined his feet's kind of out there behind him they're all around the table and he she's standing there right at his feet now that's actually the place of a servant too they would stand there waiting for any command so uh say like simon the pharisee would have one of his servants or a couple of them like standing there so she kind of takes that place uh, uh behind jesus at his feet like the servant like being a servant well at this point she starts weeping and their tears begin to just drench his feet. And so his feet are getting all wet with her tears. And she's just she's just sobbing. She's just crying here at Jesus' feet. And then as the tears are hitting Jesus' feet, she takes her hair and she's like wiping the feet. Like like, like, like wiping off the feet and, and all with the tears that had, had with her hair and wiping the the, the the tears there on his feet. And she kissed his feet, and then she anointed them with that ointment, which meant she broke open that alabaster flask and began to pour that perfume, very expensive perfume, and you usually don't open it up. It's just something you keep, very valuable. And she opened it up for Jesus and basically poured it on his feet and, and gave it to Jesus. So she gave what was most precious to Jesus, this alabaster flask. Now, take note, we don't know the name of this woman here. She's, her name right here is not mentioned. Now, some think it's, well, it's just like what we see in uh, uh, Matthew 26 or Mark 14 or John 12 when Mary had broken her alabaster flask and poured it upon Jesus. But this is not the same story. You have to understand, in the other story, uh, Mary, who is named, she broke open her flask right before uh, Jesus' crucifixion. Th- this isn't that time yet. And though she was at Simon's house, it was Simon the leper's house. Yeah, And Mary is uh, Lazarus' sister. So here we don't know the name of this woman, But she's at Simon the Pharisee's house. And some even speculate, well, maybe this is Mary Magdalene. But we don't really know who this woman is. But this woman came to express really her heart. She came in grateful worship to Jesus. She she came and gave everything she had. And as we get into this story, you will see. Because this is the one, Jesus, who had forgiven her. So that's really the idea here. This is what's going on. This woman, now, some believe she could have come to find forgiveness for her sins. But I believe this act of worship and her tears was really this gratefulness. I believe she, she was already forgiven. I believe she was already following Jesus and hearing his message and maybe from afar she, she received Christ. She re- believed him and received that forgiveness and all his preaching that he's doing and received it from God. And now here's, here's a moment where she can go in and express her love and worship and gratefulness to the Lord. And and I say this because right before verse 36, if you remember last time we saw in verse 35 it says yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Remember that meant like the wisdom, the 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 what you do with what you know is justified is proved by the fruit or the children that come out. And here I think as Luke flows into this story showing you know what this lady she went Come to Jesus. Go to Jesus. She 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 got forgiven, and now this is the fruit. She she's forgiven and changed life. She's just coming in to give uh, Jesus worship. Every what's most valuable, she's giving that to Jesus. What she gave what cost her the most, and, and I love this too because nothing can stop her. She's so full of this worship and gratitude. She, she goes into this guy's house, this Pharisee. And think about that. If she's a known sinner and if she was a prostitute, to go into the house was a huge no-no, you know. To have her hair even let down. Back then, the women in public would keep their hair up. So there's a lot of no-nos going on here, custom-wise. But nothing could stop her. And she she would never be invited. She was this uninvited guest, basically. She went into the house anyway. And she would never be allowed to approach even Jesus like this, in this house. But with all her heart, she dared to come into Simon's house and wash the feet of Jesus, this friend of sinners. So, here's what we see right away. Nothing stopped the uninvited guest to give in worship what cost her the most this is her heart this is this is what she did she she gave her her all because i believe she has been forgiven and isn't that what true worship is it's to come and, and give god our hearts to put our attention on him to to really give him our best you know i think about them when we come here on wednesday or if you're connected on 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 wednesday or sunday you know we we, we come to give our whole attention. We're not like half here, half not, you know. We give Jesus our best. We give him everything. And here's this this woman giving her everything, surrendering her best, giving it over to Jesus Christ. You know, I was reading how a certain study had revealed how that this the average 70-year-old person has spent his his time in total now like for 70 years if you add it all up together in time 24 years sleeping 14 years working 8 years in enter doing it you know into entertainment entertaining yourselves or hobbies 6 years at dinner like eating 5 years commuting and 4 years in conversation but some people have more years in conversation than others right <laughs> but here's the saddest thing in this little report is that uh, uh, if a person spent like only 45 minutes in church just on Sundays, five minutes in devotions every day, just only five minutes, it only adds up to five months given over that 70 years of a person's life. Just five months compared to the years in these other things. So, you know, what we do with our time, it's, it really adds up. And it shows what's really important. But here's this woman, right? She comes in. Nothing stopped this uninvited guest to give and worship what cost her the most. What's most important in your life? What, what is that? You know, what, what is that one thing, yeah, that shows that that doesn't stop you, yeah, doing that one thing? What is that, you know? What is that? That really should be God, right? It really should be God. Like nothing should stop us from seeking Him. Nothing should stop us from going to church and and studying the Bible. Nothing should stop stop us if we're in church or or with the Lord. We're praying from being with God because we want to give God our worship. We want to give Him our love. And, And here's this woman, right? Jesus is so important that she gives Him what's most important to her. And sometimes, what do we give? Jesus. You know, what's most important? I think my time, my mind, you know, what I do with that. And and I want to give that to Jesus. And I don't want any other thing to get in the way and become an idol in my worship. And I'll tell you, well, she's there. Why? Because she's been forgiven much. She's been forgiven. And shouldn't we do the same? Because we've been forgiven much. I mean, if anything, If we come church and we think, well, I don't know what what I thank the Lord for. Well, just think about your salvation. That we've been forgiven much, you guys. Think about that. Where would you be today without Jesus in your life? Where would you be today without that mercy and grace and forgiveness that he's given us? Yeah. Where would any of us be? So here she is, she's been forgiven much, and she doesn't care, she's, she's this uninvited guest. She's still there giving in worship what cost her the most. Well, let's go on to number two now, the unmerciful Pharisee, the unmerciful Pharisee. So our story goes on. This happens. This lady, this woman comes in an alabaster flask and pouring that out, weeping. So then uh, we're going to cover verse thirty-nine through forty-seven in this section. But first of all, verse thirty-nine. Verse thirty-nine. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, "If this man were a prophet, he would have known. uh, He would have known who and what sort." Of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Let let me read this again with what I think he was, the way he was thinking. If this man were really a prophet, talking about Jesus, he would have known who this woman was. What sort of woman this was who's touching him. She's a sinner, right? I mean, you, you can imagine really what's going on in the heart of this Pharisee, right? See, to the Pharisees, if 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 a woman like this, a sinner, a known prostitute, if she was one, uh, would touch this, you know, inadvertently, they're walking a mark and she brushed up on it, he would say, unclean! And he'd go run, he'd have to do ritual cleansing because she's a sinner, she brushed up against him and then he, he, he would be considered unclean. So he's like, I can't believe Jesus. This rabbi, shouldn't he know? Look at this woman is like touching, right? No, no one you know, would would do that, or you'd be considered unclean. Think about this though. What did we just read? Right? Think about this. I read that she was weeping and wiping her hair. There's something going on there, even if You didn't understand, right? She takes this most expensive thing that no one ever does and just pours it on the feet of Jesus. And even if you didn't know Jesus, even if you don't, you'd be kind of like, whoa. You'd be more focused on what's going on here, right? But here's Simon. Simon, this Pharisee, was blind to the tears, blind to this act of this, like a servant washing the feet of this man. And, and and taking this expensive perfume and putting it on his feet. You know what I see? I see this hatred in his heart. I see this like oh this this he's so proud in his thinking he's so good and self his in his self righteousness, he's blind, right, to what's going on there. He's blind to the good and 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 to me there's no real concern for this women something's going on with her she's crying yeah if i if i see someone crying you're like oh you know if we're watching some show and some woman starts crying my wife cries right away i go how come you're crying she goes because she's crying you know right right i mean i'm guys i'm not as affected okay but you know but you would care like wait what's going on if you saw someone you know on the corner crying you'd be like oh i hope she's okay not simon he focused on what? Her sin. She's a sinner. He missed what was going on right there. Well, look, look now. Look at verse 40. So Jesus answering said to him, Now this is, this is great because if you look above in verse 39, Simon said to himself like under his breath. But Jesus like knows, right? So Jesus like answering like what's he saying, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon's like, answered, say it, teacher. So Jesus goes on verse 41 here. And he says, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When the one could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? And then Simon answered and, and it's like, well, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Now stop here. You know what's great about Jesus? I feel like he's really reaching into the heart of the, this Pharisee. He's really trying to reach him, help him to get out of this blindness and and have compassion on what's going on. So, he says, "What? Well, let me let me tell you this story." Yeah. And sometimes stories, right, kind of come in sideways and help us to understand things, right? And sometimes we're, if we're confronted with something, ah, oh, you know, or, or some some problem we're not sure we we can all get at face value, but when someone says a story or analogy, then we're like, oh, okay, the light goes on. So here's Jesus. I feel like really trying to reach this Pharisee's heart and trying trying to open his eyes and 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 see what's going on here. So he says, look, uh, uh, there's these two people, right? Um, uh, one person owed like five hundred denarii. 500 den- a denarii is like a days wage. So think about it as like half a 6 months of wages, half a year wages. Another person owed 50 denarii. You know, maybe maybe like um uh um uh, uh, two two months or so, yeah. And so he's like they both owed this money, but then the the creditor, the, the money lender said, "Ah, oh, it's okay. I'll forgive you both of them." So both were forgiven. They didn't have to pay back what they owed. So Simon answered logically, oh yeah, probably the person who owed the most is, is going to be grateful the most in that way. So let, l- let me give you this first thing that Jesus is saying. His first point is this, when much sin is forgiven, much love is returned. That's, that's what he's basically saying. With much sin forgiven, much love is returned. <laughs> MacArthur said, the greater the forgiveness, the greater the love. Just in that same way, Right? And I was thinking about this. How I can be, how we can be so ungrateful sometimes, right? How, how much God has forgiven me? How many times, maybe for the same thing? Or maybe there's some sins in your past and you look back you think, oh, how great, but then, God has forgiven me of, my greatest sins. And sometimes we, we, we forget about it. Sometimes we're, 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 we take it for granted what God has done in our life. So I want, I want you to stop and think about that. Don't take for granted the forgiveness God has given for your sins. Think, think about that. You know, are, are we grateful in that way? I mean, when I think about where Jesus is saying his first point, when much sin is forgiven, much love is returned. You know, I think about, wow, I'm a sinner. I've sinned. Oh, Lord, do I give much love back to you, yeah? Sometimes we don't really think about that. And we just, oh, go on with our life. And, you know, until the next time we fall, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Lord. But it made me stop and think, oh, Lord, I don't want to take for granted your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness in my life. So, verse 44 now. Then Jesus turned toward the woman. He said to Simon, "Do you see this woman?" Notice he's like, "Do you see her?" Notice her. And then he says, "I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss." But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. We'll stop there. So, here Jesus is is really exposing something, you know I want you to follow this. It was the custom in that ancient time for the host, yeah, either himself or his servant. when your guest comes into your house th- this was the custom now. First thing you you wash the feet of your guests. yeah back then there's no cement asphalt yeah it's all dirty dusty roads and they're wearing open sandals right so your feet are super dirty so so it's kind of nice to get your feet washed and refreshed in that way when you first come in to someone's house and then you're greeted right you're welcome with a kiss remember back then that was the tradition You, you kiss on the cheek yeah it was a middle east custom so that was another custom and the third thing is usually you would anoint the head with, like, um, olive oil. Just kind of, it was just, it was was kind of the refreshing of of things, you know, on, on your head. So, think about this. Jesus is, like, putting this out, exposing now to Simon the Pharisee that he had committed a list of social wrongs. You know, Simon. I came in. You, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't do that, But she, look, she, she did all these things, and so think about. That. He's trying to say, look, Simon. Look, you're looking down on this woman as such a sinner. But wait, wait, wait. How about these customs that we have that you didn't do? But see, Simon, in his self-righteous, I'm better than you kind of attitude, I know better than you, right? Um. Um, he, he's, he's sitting there only focusing on who this woman is, what she's known to do and everything, but missing everything. So here's Jesus trying to wake him up to, wait, wait, look, look at yourself here, right? His, his really his, his fleshed out feelings were e- exposed that he's looking down on her, but he's not even thinking about his own social custom sins that he's done. And Jesus was trying to bring him to this place to see his own unloving and uncaring spirit. Don't you do the same though? We we focus so much on the other person. Oh, look what they did. Look at them. Look what they do, you know. Like, how dare she come into this house? And you start, yeah? You start focusing on that person when you forget, wait, is that the right attitude to have? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Am, am, am I wrong? You know, in this, am what? Right? It's so easy. Like I said earlier, we blame the other person, right? Either we're diverting, you know, our own wrong, or or we're so caught up in that other person and what they're doing. Like, oh, she came in, like Simon. She came in. How dare she come into my house? Look at her. How dare? And look, now she's touching Jesus. What? What is you know, Jesus doing here? Yeah. So he starts focusing on her and missing out on any of his wrong, and then ultimately, right, on his unloving and uncaring heart. here, Simon really wasn't like mindful of his own wrong here. I mean, think about that, yeah. Jesus was bringing it forth, the social sins, and then trying to bring up the compassionate, lack of compassion. He wasn't really thinking of his own wrongs. And so, look how beautiful this is. Jesus is really trying to take away this blindness by trying to get him to see his own wrong and humble himself. So, Simon was missing what was really important. And here's Jesus' second point. It is not so much the amount of sin, but the awareness of sin that makes the difference. Look at a woman. She's weeping, right? And we're going to see in a moment because of her sin. Yeah, She's been forgiven and she's coming weeping, but she's aware of how bad her sin is. But, but Simon, not, not him. Jesus is trying to bring it out. And so Jesus is trying to show him, look, it's not about how much sin she has or you think you have less. Sin. You know, it's all about the awareness of the sin that really makes a difference here. That That's what is important here. You know, when our children were small, my wife and I, we, we had a routine when when they did something wrong and we would send them to their room and let them think about it. Go to your room. Think about what, what, what you did. And then I would go to their room and sit down with them and look them in the eye. Okay, what what. What was it that you did wrong? You know, what was your crime? You know, kind of thing, and and I, and I'd try to get them to voice it, you know, out. And and you know, I, I I would ask them, oh, do you know what you did wrong? What did you do wrong? And then we'd pray and and I'd have them ask God to forgive you uh, for what they did wrong and and, and verbalize it and saying it, you know, because it was really to train them for this that you become aware of the wrong, the sin you've done before God, yeah? So you're aware of that. And here's Jesus trying to bring that up for Simon. It's not so much the amount of sin. It's not like, oh, look at all her sin. I have less sin, or, you know, or I'm not a sinner. She has more sin. But it's the awareness of that sin that makes the difference. I think many times we we do that. We compare ourselves to someone else, put them down in our mind so we can lift ourselves up, Yeah? We think we're so much better, and we're, it's so easy to talk down to other people, yeah? to give your opinions, to give judgment right away, and when you yourself are just as bad as that other person. And I think if we're aware of that, we'll talk differently, right? If we're aware of that, we'll, we'll humble ourselves, even if we've got to talk through some issues, yeah? Rather than pointing the finger and getting all emotional and upset like that. I think it's better that we we get, become aware of our own sin and as both parties become aware of their own sin it humbles us and then you could really converse right and and all so don't be blind to your own sin yeah don't be blind like a lot of times we say in counseling you know um uh like marriage counseling you know Think about what your part was, you know, in, in making this situation worse. You know, because you start looking at, oh, what did I do? What did I what did I put into this to create this argument? Or what did I put into this, yeah, to create this fight? Not rather, what well, she did this and she did that and she, she shouldn't have done that and, you know, all this stuff. And then if she didn't do that or he didn't do that, I wouldn't have reacted like this because he, but wait, 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 <laughs> you know. What was what was my part in it? So here's Jesus really trying to open Simon's eyes to this, who this lady is, who he is, his sins, to make him aware of what's going on. That's not so much the amount of sin, but the awareness. That's what makes the difference. Well, let's go on to number three, the unquestionable word. We have this unmerciful Pharisee and then... Um, uninvited gifts first and now number three the unquestionable word so we'll finish up here uh in these last three verses but first of all verse 48 says and he said that's jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven and then verse verse 49 then those who are at the table with him began to say among themselves who is this who even forgives sins so jesus now confirms that which i believe was already done I believe he knew she came to this place of forgiveness and that's why she came in to publicly acknowledge all that and and worship Jesus and and be grateful to him. So I like this because then Jesus publicly forgave her, publicly said, your sins are forgiven. And so he verbalized that for all to hear. I like the NASB actually translates this, your sins have been forgiven. Forgiven. So that's why I kind of think it's more uh, this is the fruit of the her forgiven life that's causing all this. Well, at that point, Simon the Pharisee and others at the table, there's probably his Pharisee friends there too. Remember scribes were part of the Pharisees, maybe those lawyer guys, experts in the law of God were there too, and they began to question, like, What what who is this? Who who is it? Who even forgives sins? How how could he say that? In other words. Yeah, Only God can really forgive sins, but what they're missing is, guess who's sitting there at the table? God who's come in the flesh. God who's there right with them. So Jesus basically states what he has done already. He forgives this woman. Turn over to Isaiah in the Old Testament. Isaiah 55, 7. And and really, this, this is what the Messiah does. Isaiah 55, 7. Verse 7. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will and I love this, abundantly pardon. Isn't that good? He will abundantly pardon. Hey, tonight, wherever you're at with the Lord, know this, that Jesus abundantly pardons. He abundantly forgives. He forgives much. It says here, that's what the Messiah is going to do. Then turn over to um, in the New Testament, pass Luke to First John, First John. Chapter one, verse nine. First John chapter one, in verse nine. And so we find here: if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we come to Jesus, we come to God, confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive you of your sins. That's what He's promising. He's saying, you come to me, you confess your sins, you're in repentance. You know, you... the word confess actually means to like agree the same or see things the same way as God. So if you confess in the sense that you see, see your sin, you're aware of your sin is wrong, just like how God sees that sin, then, and that's repentance too, you know what? God is faithful. He will forgive you. He's just, what? Why? He's He's just to forgive you because Christ died on the cross for your sins and His blood was shed. So He is just to forgive. It's not like, He's doing wrong to forgive you. No. He has the means now to forgive you. Forgive us our sins. And then to cleanse us from all that unrighteousness. To, to clean us out. Make us right before Him. That we can go on and live for God. Hey, know this tonight. You know, I was thinking about sometimes. I think we walk around. We kind of know, oh, Jesus forgave me. Yeah, I'm saved and everything. But then, in the back of our minds, we still carry this thought of, ah, uh, uh, I, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe, um, uh, maybe uh, I, I, I'm not forgiven, yeah? Or, or maybe, ah, uh, oh, I don't know, I'm so bad, you know? And you start carrying this condemnation. But know this, Jesus is giving this unquestionable word. He's saying this publicly, and he's saying this to you tonight. I forgive you. I forgive you. And look at our last verse, back to Luke chapter seven, verse fifty. And he said to the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Go in peace." So with this, now understand, Jesus says this to this woman: "Your faith has saved you. Your faith is why you're forgiven." Because you believed in me, you came to me, you heard my word. Your faith. He makes it totally clear. It wasn't her actions or work of crying and wiping his feet with tears and breaking open the alabaster flask and pouring the perfume and anointing his feet with that. No, it was her faith. In coming to Jesus to find forgiveness. It was her faith in going to Jesus who is God in repentance. And turning from her sin and confessing her sin. It's her faith, right? That brought on that forgiveness and salvation. So she goes, go in faith. You're safe. You're okay. And I love this. Go in peace. Literally here in the Greek is go into peace. That means Go into having peace with God. You're right with God now. Everything's okay. Yeah, it's not like Simon, this unmerciful Pharisee. He's like, oh, you sinner. She could find no mercy there. Never any forgiveness from him. But that's not God. You can go to God and you find that peace. And 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 notice, right? The Pharisee was all about doing works and gaining that righteousness being right with god but jesus saying no i forgive you i forgive you your faith has brought the forgiveness not your works the pharisee he thinks he doesn't need forgiveness really i'm so holy i'm so pure i'm so better than her right jesus trying to make him aware no no you're not it's not about you and and in your works and how holy you are no This woman understood the only way to receive forgiveness is going to Jesus. That's her faith. So Jesus shows it's faith, not works, that will make you right with God. Galatians 2.16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. We're justified by faith, you guys. So our last point is this. Forgiveness cannot be earned, but is given to those who receive it by faith in Jesus. Forgiveness cannot be earned, but is given to those who receive it by faith in Jesus. you got to receive this. In 1830, a man named George Wilson was arrested for mail theft. And the crazy thing back then, the, the, the sentence, the penalty was hanging. So after a time, President Andrew Jackson, at the time, gave Wilson a pardon, But Wilson refused to accept the pardon. The Chief Justice, John Marshall at the time, was consulted on what to do. Marshall then handed down this decision. A pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person being pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. He made his decision. He rejected that pardon, that Forgiveness, but you know, I, I, we do that sometimes. I mean, forgiveness isn't like automatic. We gotta accept it. We gotta receive it. When you do, then that, that's what really changes your life. And, and, you know, maybe in your mind you think, "Oh yeah, Christ has forgiven me, and uh, I'm saved, and everything." But in the back, back of your mind, you're still feeling, ah. Oh, I'm not a good person, or oh, I did these things wrong. And and you still carry that around. And then with that, not only a condemnation, but you start thinking, like, wow, I I I gotta do something. Yeah. And you start kind of drifting into this works. Type of thing where you think like, well, I I got to do something, I, I got to live right, or I got to pray, or I got to come church, or I got to be nice to people, I got to give my tithe, and then maybe then this condemnation will go away, maybe this feeling oh I I'm not worthy or you know will go away, but you guys it's not that it's taking like like what we read in I, Isaiah right, what we read in First John one nine by faith with what the Word says, with what God says, saying, okay God, if I come to you, then your faith won't just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me. Maybe you don't feel that. Maybe in your mind is all still messed up and condemned, but you know what, by faith you go, no, I'm going to believe this more than how I feel. I'm going to believe what the Word says more than than what I'm thinking. I'm going to believe this more than what I think of myself. Because God said it. So understand that. Forgiveness cannot be earned, but it it is given to those who receive it by faith in Jesus. You know, as as we begin to wrap up here, if we're basing, like getting right with God according to the things we do, you know what's going to happen? Your love is going to grow cold. Look at this Pharisee, right? Because you start focusing more on what you're doing. You start focusing on their rituals. You start more getting into the legalism. And, you know, that's really more a focus on yourself, you know. Or you're idolizing this, this, this rule. And what happens is your, your love starts to grow cold. That's why Simon, he, oh, he sees the woman. He he's blind to her tears, what's going on. You know, he's not even open to like, well, what's going on here? I've never seen this before. Yeah? Why is she doing this to Jesus? He's more like, why is she in my house? This sinner. How could Jesus even allow her to touch him? You know? Why? Because his love is gone. Because he's just all about rules and all about himself. And on top of that, you don't have compassion on other people. I mean, your love for God grows cold because it's all about the rules more. You try and have a relationship with the rules, not with God. So your love for God grows Grows cold. And then there's no love for others, or compassion on others. Maybe that's where you're at today. Your love has gone cold. And it's because maybe you're into all the work stuff and the rules more than Jesus. Maybe your relationship is with oh the the black and white of the Bible. But not Jesus Himself. Maybe maybe that's why there's you're having a hard time having compassion on the other people. You look at the... you focus focusing on the sin more than their soul, yeah? And what they need. Perhaps it's time to actually look at your own wrong there now. Your own lack. Your own lack of love. Your own... Yeah. You know what's funny to me is some people are like, Hey, the Bible says you better do this. You better do that. Hey, let me tell you, the Bible also says love one another. <laughs> right? How come... you? People don't focus on that, right? But they get all legalistic on the other things. Perhaps it's time to look at how you've sinned in not having compassion, how you've sinned in putting this rule above God Himself and not having that relationship, that love relationship. Perhaps it's time to be aware of your own sin. and Come to God. And I'll tell you, when, when you do that, then you're going to go, Oh, I see, Lord. You're humble. It's not about doing this or doing that. Or it's not about, Oh, that person, and look what they did to me. It's about, Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. I'll close with this. In a cemetery near uh, New York, there is a gravestone that has uh, no name, no date of birth, no date of death, no mention of accomplishments, no eulogy, you know, like here lies our beloved, nothing like that. There's only one word on this gravestone, and the word is forgiven. I love that. I love that. So tonight, that's what we should focus in on, yeah? We've been forgiven. We should focus in on the fact that not just forgiven, but we've been forgiven much. Let's pray. Lord God, <clears throat> there's so much that goes on in our daily lives. And weekly, Lord, we, we, we do struggle with things. And things happen, Lord, good and bad. And, um, and it's hard sometimes, Lord. People may do things to us. People may hurt us, Lord. We may have a hard time at work or home. or uh, Life Life is full of troubles. This world is crazy sometimes. But Lord, help us not to focus on all the wrong, but help us to focus in on, on the people who are hurting, the hearts, Lord, that maybe are reacting and doing things because they're in a bad place too. Help us not to just... Uh, Look down on others and think we're something, but remind us that, oh, we've been forgive, forgiven much. And who am I to always point a finger of judgment, to be critical and, and put someone down When oh, oh, I, I do the same things. I've done the same things. Or I could easily do the same thing. But Lord, let us all come to you in worship, giving you our best Lord, surrendering it all to you God, that no matter what may happen, no matter what this world may bring Lord, that we know we've been forgiven, we've been saved, our faith has brought us into a great relationship with you and there Lord we can go into peace And have the peace of God and the peace with God, Lord. So, Lord, I ask that you forgive me as we all cry out to you, Lord. That you would cleanse me, Lord. That as I confess my sin, Lord, that you would bring me near and wash me, Lord, by your blood. Make me right, God. Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight, anyone connected online that needs your forgiveness right now, Lord. I pray for anyone right now that perhaps has never received you, that this is the moment to put their faith in you, Jesus. And may they do that. May they call out to you. May they call out to you, Lord Jesus. Repent and confess sins and receive you into their heart right now. I pray for anyone here that's been... Maybe a Christian some time now, but still walk around condemned. Maybe you have good days, maybe you have bad days, but there's a lot of days where condemnation rears its ugly head and, and then you feel junk. I pray they will come to grips that it's faith in your word and what you say, and what, like you said, told this woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go into peace. And may we go into peace tonight knowing that we are forgiven, we're freed, we're made right with you. Oh Lord, and I pray your peace be upon every person right now. Help us, God. May your Holy Spirit touch hearts right now. Whoever's connected, whoever's listening in right now, Lord, that you would reach out God, that they would not be distracted with what they hear right now, but they are focusing on you and that, Lord, you would touch them with your peace. Pray for anyone here tonight who's been struggling with these things. Anyone here tonight that that has been facing trouble, I pray your peace would come upon them right now and that you would make us right with you, Lord. And when we're right with you, oh, there's so much peace. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.